Welcome to Talk with the Texan, Money and Life with Troy Eckert. This program is thought-provoking, informative, entertaining, and down to business. We face facts and ideas about how to make, protect, and build your net worth. You'll get over three decades of frontline experiences and real-life examples of what to do and the pitfalls to avoid. Now, here's Troy Eckert. Hey, 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 everyone. This is Troy Eckert. Talk with the Texan Money and Life. I hope my podcast finds you doing well. As you know from previous events and previous podcasts, this is a nonstop, full speed, 20 or 30 minutes of information that I hope you can absorb. And I definitely want you to retain because, quite frankly, whether you get one small item from the show or the entire show means something to you, this is put together with forethought based on how my listeners can use the information to better their life to increase more money and to allow themselves to be able to combine that information with how they manage their own personal direction that they're taking. Uh, let me just talk to you about the thing that's going to scare you the most and the thing that most of us have the least amount of experience in. We have the least amount of information how to guard against it or how to actually navigate it. And that is rising inflation. You may say, okay, man, I like podcasts. I like them to be interesting. I like to have context and subject that matter. And this to me is, is almost like getting a colonoscopy. No matter how you dress it up, no matter how you describe it, who cares about a colonoscopy other than I want to do it, be done with it, and know that I'm okay. But it's one of those things that if you don't pay attention, if you don't at least take into hard consideration, and you don't take the effort to understand the purpose of it, well, then you probably won't do it. You probably won't react to it. You probably won't take the necessary measures to ensure that the outcome is actually going to be beneficial to you and not something that's terminal. Okay, so why do I compare that to inflation? Because inflation is one of those subjects when you sit down and talk to somebody, they generally have either not experienced it, they don't understand it, they don't want to understand it, and they don't really have any relevant comparison about what inflation can and has done to economies in the past because we haven't seen it in this country in over 40 years. It's been 40 years since we've seen any true inflation above any small interest in uh, inflation rates such as two, two and a half percent. Because we've not experienced inflation in this country since the 1970s and early 1980s, we have no concept about what it looks like. We don't know how other investments and how our overall portfolio and our lifestyle will be affected by it. And when somebody starts talking about it, again, it's like trying to describe something like watching paint dry on the wall. Well, this show is called Money in Life because quite frankly, regardless of the extent of your money, and regardless of where you're at in your life, both of those are tied together. If I don't have money and I don't have a portfolio and I don't have a net worth, if I don't have a job and income, my life is going to be directly proportionate to what I don't have or what I do have. We want to talk about inflation because it is the greatest thief of wealth you can have inside of your own portfolio. It's the greatest deterioration in the quality of life you have if you're in a high inflation type of environment and you don't know how to defend against it what's gonna happen is you're gonna become a victim of it. So when I think about the uh, uh, inflation that we're dealing with today, I'm gonna to try to help you understand a little bit about what inflation is, and I'm gonna tell you how I see it and why we need to really be extremely aware of it and how to start defending it against it right now. It's not too late, because in my opinion, inflation has just started. This little slowdown in inflation in the last 60 days of 2022 has meant nothing to me. I don't see it as a retraction on inflation. I see this as almost like a fire. It's backdraft. It's simply sucking in the oxygen, sucking in all the consumers, making them think the whole inflation scare and the inflation prognosis is over. 
So they go right back to doing what they were doing before, which is spending money they shouldn't, taking on debt they shouldn't, and not taking care of the necessary things in their portfolio and their expenses in life to ward against what's coming, which is going to be, in my view, raging inflation, probably as bad or worse than it was in the late 1970s. So how do they measure inflation? Well, let's go. It depends on who you ask for that day. Every economist, the government, they all switch and change up determinations of what inflation looks like because they want it to be more favorable to their own personal agenda. And basically at this point in time, the CPI, Consumer Price Index, well, what does that fancy word mean? It's the price index that consumers pay for things like goods and services and housing compared to the previous measurement. Let's take October. If October's rent rates on average across whatever geographical areas they study, and they say in Los Angeles, in Chicago, and New York, uh, the average rent was $1,850 per month for a two-bedroom apartment. All right, that's an October CPI number for housing in that particular category. If the next month it's 1875, they're gonna divide the two and say in housing, it's up X percentage month over month and annualize that calculate to such and such percent return or at least increase in inflation. Well, they do this CPI, but they only do it for goods and services and housing. They don't include food and energy. Now, I don't know about anybody else. That makes no sense to me. I, I, I kind of get why they try to do it, but to me, it's like, um, it's like they want to delay telling you the bad news. You walk into the doctor's office, you've got a big lump on your head. You say, you know, doc, this lump showed up about three months ago. I have no idea what it is. And the doctor looks at it and says, well, let's take a little bit of analysis. Let's take a look at the measurements of this month, and we'll measure you the next month and see how things are going. Okay, great. I come in the next month, and it's 8.2% uh, bigger than it was the previous month. Yeah, but we're not going to include that because you lost three pounds. And because you lost three pounds, the denominator of your weight compared to the size of the tumor Really, you've only gone up like 6.2% in tumor size relative to your body weight. And you're going to look at them and go, that makes no sense whatsoever. Me losing weight might be a direct effect of the tumor getting bigger because my body's not consuming food. I'm not eating as much. And my body is, is able, unable to maintain weight because maybe that's cancer. But the tumor got bigger, but you don't want to tell me that. So you dilute the numbers by adding up this calculation that really has no relevant value or comparison as far as being a like kind uh, analysis. So when you look at the CPI, they've hand-selected items that they believe in goods and service and housing that can get us from period to period to period. What we experienced the last nine or 10 months has been this nice major massive march up to about eight and a half percent inflation. Really, I think it's been more like 14 or 15 percent. And now they say, wait a minute, November, December, we kind of pull back on inflation because uh, energy prices are down, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's probably true. Oil and gas has come down. Gasoline, the pump has come down. As a result, everything else, which is virtually 100% of consumer goods and services and housing are all a direct derivative or recipient downstream of burning and producing a barrel of oil and MCF of gas. Gas and oil comes down, it's gonna help every other category. But however, you forget those little ancillary things that are on the side that cause the energy prices to go down, that cause food to go down. You know that fertilizer is made from oil and gas. Fertilizer, synthetics, the bags they go into, the plastic bags, the paper bags, all the uh, netting that goes around the grapefruit and the oranges and the diesel being run on those tractors. So a direct reflection is food is tied to energy. Now, when you're listening to this podcast, I want you to start thinking about something. I want you to get your visual around this. Think about yourself in a fort on an island and everything you have that you need is on that island. It's your network, it's your income, it's your job, it's your insurance. Everything you have is inside. There. And your life is perfectly fine 
but you don't know it, but every single month, somebody comes in and slips out 8.2% of your value. They take 8.2% of your food, 8.2% of your diesel, 8.2% of your clothing and your housing and your fishing line and your netting and your shoes. And you're saying, but, but it's not all coming at one time and I really don't feel the effect of it. Well, it's like sand. Every time the wave laps on the beach, it takes more sand out with it. Unless that tide turns, unless there's a storm or power greater than the outgoing tide that pushes new sand back in, you're slowly deteriorating the size of your islands getting smaller and smaller by 8.2% per month annualized. What that means is I'm losing value. I'm losing ground. I'm losing net worth every month, but it's not something I can measure because it's so obscure. I can't really see it as if you came in and just picked up my uh, cot and stole it and took off with or picked up my boat and it took off in the harbor with it. Those things I can visually see you doing. But this 8.2% erosion is what they call a, a hidden tax. The hidden tax has a whole lot to do with the fact that you are losing value and getting nothing in return. If I buy a pallet of horse feed this month and a year from now, that pallet of horse feed costs me 15 to 20% more, I either have to make more money on the horses I'm raising I've got to get fewer horses to feed fewer bags of feed to stay within my budget, or I got to feed the horses less feed every day to make sure that I can still buy the same amount of feed, feed the same amount of horses, or I got to go sell the horse and get out of the horse business at some point in time, or I got to make more money. I don't have much choice because if I'm losing 8.2% and I like my life the way it is, I've got to come up with a way increasing my net worth, increasing the value, increasing my cash flow by the difference between inflation today versus what's gonna be in a year from now, all right? So in Congress changed the rules a little bit in the CPI in 2017. Basically they came in and said, look, we're gonna have a CPI, which is that consumer price index, that's consumer goods and services and housing from month to month, but they're gonna add a little extra component. They're gonna call it a CPI chain. Again, it's another way of saying fancy, you know, hey, you're, you're losing part of your island, but I'm not gonna tell you. CPI chain means that now it's gonna start calculating substitutes. So if you've been buying, I don't know, let's call it a box of Raisin Bran cereal, and next month you realize that cereal keeps going up, you say, look, I'm not going to eat cereal anymore. I'm not going to eat uh, Malto meal. Well, Malto meal is a breakfast. It's a substitute. I can't afford that expensive box of Raisin Bran, so I'm going to eat uh, uh, Malto meal. Everybody who has been eating Raisin Bran still gets breakfast. They still get food, but they've substituted with something of lower cost, maybe a greater capacity, meaning in terms of volume, I can get more out of a box of Malta meal than I can out of a box of Raisin Bran. So the CPI chain, based on the law that was passed in 2017, started accounting for the consumer's ability or willingness, or at least the, the forcing of the consumers to find alternatives to what they're buying today that has gone up in price. What they're hoping is that in the CPI numbers, that that reflection shows that that box of Raisin Bran will eventually come down in price because the consumer stopped buying it at the rising price, allowing that product to come back to a more normal price. And they've chosen an alternative uh, product that may have been actually artificially lower than the box of Raisin Bran. And that would be the box of Malto meal, all right? So then you add another component to this. This is another part of how they're all calculating whether we're really going higher inflation or whether it's stagflation or deflation. But the truth is now you have what they call the personal consumption index. Now, uh, excuse me, expenditure, PCE. Personal consumer expenditures are things that are not paid out of pocket. Like what? Well, health insurance. Uh, maybe you have things like road repair. Maybe you have things that are part of your life, but it's not a direct reflection on you. So you go to the doctor and the doctor says, look, healthcare costs have risen. 
Um, at some point in time, your premium may rise. But for today, the fact is, is that you have the same out-of-pocket cost for your deductible. Same percentage, same $75 doctor visit. So you're not really being affected by rising inflation, but the underlying value that you're getting as a consumer is rising. And at some delayed response, sooner or later, those increased costs for medical care, those increased costs for insurance are going to come through in increased payments as far as your deductible, less benefits as far as your insurance plan, or a much higher premium that everybody will share and bear because underlying health costs go higher. But they call it a PC, uh, PCE, a, a, a personal consumption expenditure, because it's not directly like buying a taco that day that cost a dollar last month and now it's a dollar fifty. It's not a direct reflection, but itself is a very, very strong undertow of what's taking place in advance of what may become a realized uh, direct cost of inflation to you, the consumer. Now, let me take a breath. I'm Troy Eckert, stock with a taxi. I gave you your bang for your buck. It's going to be 20, 30 minutes of nonstop talking. Look, I take life very serious and I take my podcast very serious. I look at the subjects I have and my brain is just overlay. It's like, it's like an encyclopedia of data and differences and comparisons. It, in the last year and a half, I've really come to the conclusion that there is a massive amount of connectivity. And everything that's taking place out in the world today, as always, is connected. But even today, it's even more related to connectivity because I think we're in such a fast-paced climate. What happens today at 10 p.m. is going to be across the news at less than 10.01 p.m. In under 60 seconds, it's on the internet, social media, it's blasted. So the delayed reaction, the, the deterioration of time has already occurred. We've lost the advantage of absorption of news into the market. So the markets are what I would call an immediate responsive market these days. Investors are immediate response. I find myself walking around my phone in my hand, outside, inside. It's like it's glued to me. I'm like, I've got another appendage. I need to break that habit. But because of that, it creates an environment where everything is almost exactly mark to market in a matter of seconds. It's not even mark to market in days or, or periods or, or openings and closings. It's now what's taking place online at night, in the morning, overseas, international, in the U.S., and it's day-to-day, hour-by-hour, minute-by-minute, right? So when I think about core inflation, core, inflation's, core inflation excludes food and energy. Food and energy. What are most consumers realizing is killing their pocketbook? It's the cost of food and energy cost. Every single piece of food that's in your grocery store required a barrel of oil and natural gas to farm it, harvest it, produce it, ship it, sort it, process it, can it, deliver it, package it, put in a store made with brick and mortar and floors out of oil and gas, built by oil and gas, by machines run by oil and gas, by people wearing clothes that are made from oil and gas. It is absolutely not only connected, it is inseparable. You cannot separate food from energy and you cannot separate food and energy from the cost of inflation. Because the fact is the cost of inflation is embedded in everything that we do. Now, I'm gonna go back and tell you why I'm taking this little bit of pause right here. This is scary, folks. Inflation hasn't been around in 40 years. I talked to investors below 50 years old. Most of them didn't even go through the 2008 crash. In order for you to have experienced the inflation rate of the late 1970s and 19, early 1980s, you got to be 65 years old or older. I was a freshman in high school. All I know is that my mom would come in and say, 
here's a here's a, 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 a gallon of milk made up of a box and a gallon of water. And I go, well, where's the milk? Oh, you take the water, you pour in this cup of powdered flakes, you stir it around, that's your milk to mix, to mix with that bowl of cereal that you have that I bought for 59 cents because it comes in bales instead of coming in bags or boxes. I remember what it was like to have a job as early as in the sixth grade because my parents had zero money and it got worse. Inflation kicked in in 1972 or three. I was in like sixth grade. By the time I got to be a senior in high school in 1982, I literally was lending my mother money in order for her to buy my sister's clothes. Things were so tight. It was unbelievable. I remember conversations with my dad at the table saying, I love the girls. I love what you guys are doing. Thanks for cooking every night. But what is this supposed to be on the table? And the girl said, well, dad, it's meatloaf. He goes, there's no meat in this loaf. It's all loaf. There's, there's not even a piece of meat there. Dad, we don't have any meat. We just had to do the best we can. And I remember him putting his fist to the table saying, son, get up. We've got to go to town. I have got to find a piece of meat. I've got to have some type of meat. I haven't had it in so long. I'm not kidding you. This is what it was like 40 years ago. And today the consumers are running around uh, like they think this is a fair weathered event. They act like, oh, this is no big deal. It's all going to go away. And don't worry, the feds have raised rates. They scared everybody. They surely don't want to cause a recession. So they're not going to keep pressing the rate. And you're right. Powell's going to pull back. Powell's going to come back down to maybe a, a quarter, a half a basis point here in December. He's going to come back with another maybe quarter point. He may not even come up with any interest rates starting the beginning of next year because energy prices are down. I got news for every one of you folks. This is nothing more than backdraft. This is like a huge fire where the fire pulls back. It sucks up the oxygen and then it just burns the hell out of everything in front of it. Because why? There's nothing to stop inflation. Inflation has only been suppressed because the government in charge right now flooded the market with money and they flooded the market with oil taken from our strategic reserves. We didn't have money to pay our debt. We went out and borrowed 245 million barrels of oil, flooded the energy market with oil, suppressed oil prices, shoved all the capital markets away, told everybody don't drill oil, go away from fossil fuel. They raised another trillion dollars committed $435 billion to alternative energy, which never makes any economic sense. I don't care how many trees you hug. And so what we've done is we've funded failed energy policy. We've punished the successful energy providers, which is fossil fuels and oil and gas. And we've told the consumers it was a false alarm. It's not a four alarm fire. It was a little brush fire in the back of the building. Go back to spending. Here's another trillion dollars. Don't worry about all this. Here's another trillion dollars in, in uh, forgiveness on loans. We're going to make sure you never have to pay a dime in my lifetime because why? If you prolong it long enough, it'll be on somebody else's watch when the day of reckoning comes. Now, if you go back and look, and I know none of you will, but if you do go back and look and pull up inflation rates and Fed fund rates from like 1960 to 2022, what you see is this nice big sharp rise in inflation from about 1972 to about 1977. Then you see they started decreasing the Fed fund rate from 13% back down to 5 Directly correlated after that decrease in the Fed fund rate, fund Fed runs rates went up to almost 18%, literally within about three quarterly fund Fed fund rate raises, meaning that over a period of 90 days to 180 days, it went up to almost 18%. Oh my God, what happened? Because behind, behind that Fed fund rate was oil prices and the oil embargo. And when you have a growing demand and a decreasing supply in a sector that affects 100% of your economy, it's a false pretense to assume that inflation, trying to find more oil and gas, is not going to cause oil and gas to go up when you can't find the supply. We're in that same boat today. 
So you might very well see a slight reprieve from inflation over the next 12 months. You might see it last 18 months. But on the backside of this is going to be inflation rates probably in the 12 to 20% range. We have no more aces up our sleeve. We've already spent and borrowed five to $7 trillion. We've given everybody every excuse in the world not to pull their weight or to pay off their credit cards. In fact, I um, saw a report last week. They said credit card balances are as high as they've been in 20 years, even before 2008. My friends, that is one scary event. That is one scary reality. So what we're facing today is the question I would say to all of my listeners. All right, Troy, you're talking about inflation. You got my attention. I don't quite understand it. How's it going to affect my dental practice? How's it going to affect my banking business? How's it going to affect my manufacturing store? How's it going to affect my investments overall? Well, if you looked at any part of your business and said that anything that directly involves a, a oil and gas, a, a barrel of oil, is going to be 20 to 40% higher in the next three years, now ask about those gloves and those syringes and your employees' uh, car, car drives to work, knowing they're going to pay very high gasoline and diesel prices. Know what it's going to be like for food that, that now farmers are paying 35 to 50% higher for um, fertilizer and for uh, harvesting and diesel in those tractors and crop dusters and chemicals, all made from oil and gas, driven by, delivered by, products of, derivatives of oil and gas. You say, wait a minute, if that's all coming, then this little reprieve we have down to 5%, what should I do about it? Well, let's give you a couple of prime examples. So first off, I looked at my entire portfolio and I said, what do I have in the form of any kind of debt? If I have debt, and it doesn't extend beyond five years. If I can't get a five-year window on the debt I have today, I need to do one of two choices. I need to refinance today, even if it's six or six and a half percent, I need to refinance today and lock that into a 15 to 30-year mortgage, whatever I have to do, don't care. Six and a half percent will look like a steal of a deal over the next 36 months. If I have the liquidity, if I have liquidity, meaning I have cash on hand or I can sell some stocks, I'm going to take that, sell it, and I'm going to pay off that debt because why? Inflation's 8.2%. If I take 8.2% erosion of my cash that I have on hand and add on the 3, 4, 5% I have in, in, in interest rates, I'm losing what? I'm losing the combination of both those put together. More importantly is if I wait two years and I go to try to refinance something, now there's liquidity that has been drawn out of the market because why? Defaults in residential homes, defaults in commercial, defaults in all these different asset classes are going to be negatively affected because of rising inflation rate. And now all of a sudden, I'm going to go to the bank and say, hey, you know, I had that deal. I want to refinance. Now it's 2025. And I'm going to say, yep, interest, interest rates, the bank are now 10 or 11%. Oh, it'll never happen. For those of you who haven't looked at it, there was mortgage rates of 18 and a half to 20% in 1978, 1979, 1980. 18 to 20%. Cars were being financed at 18 to 22%. That was only 20, you know, 40 years ago. You say, well, it'll never happen again. Mm -hmm. That's what they said about World War I, the war that will end all wars. World War II was about 15 years later. The key to this is, if I take a look at what I can do today, I'm going to look at any short-term debt that's going to be paid off or have to be paid off or refinanced in five years, and I'm moving today long before the notes mature. I'm going to take a look at any note I have that's beyond five years that's at the current sub-4%. I don't even care what it looks like. I'm going to set aside enough cash to service that note for two years. I'm going to figure out my payment. I'm going to figure out two years. I'm going to set it aside in what I call an escrow clearing account. And I'm going to set that money aside. And if I don't have the money, that's okay. But I'm going to dedicate and commit to my balance sheet that I know I've got to make that payment because that's the last thing I want to do is I want to sit there and pay off a sub inflation rate note 
that has no maturity date less than five years because I got the advantage of time. Because on the backside of inflation is either deflation or recession, which means the only way the government gets the economy back on its feet after a deep recession or deflation is they stimulate the economy by lowering interest rates, lowering taxes, and they fuel the economy by saying, please get back to work. Well, how am I going to go back to work? We won't tax you as much. We'll give you lower interest rate. We'll encourage you to borrow at low rates so that way we can start new buildings and businesses. Well, that's probably five to seven years out for today, at least. Now let's go back to what we're also saying. What about margin accounts? Get rid of them. What about stock accounts? Think about trading in, day, in, in days and weeks, not months. This market is sitting on a pincushion. It doesn't have three legs to the stool. It has one. It is sitting like a, a guy walking on a, or jumping on a pogo stick. It goes up, it goes down. It goes up, it goes down. There's no fundamental values. There's no evaluation of betas. There's no trend lines. You have mass chaos. When I can sit there and listen to all the so-called experts that are talking about where the stock market is going, and out of 100 of them, I get virtually 100 different answers and reasons and direction and uh, what I would call peaks and valleys as far as predictions. What it means is no one knows. So I take the summation of all their opinions. I put it into one pile and say, what is clear is the risk in the stock market is extremely high. The direction is indeterminate. The upside is limited. The downside is kind of like a trapeze door. It's wide open. Does it open? I don't know. How far do I fall? I don't know. Can I get to 37,000 on the Dow or does it make it more likely I'm going to get to 32,000 on the Dow? These are individual decisions, but I can tell you what Troy Ecker's looking at. I'm looking at probabilities. And the probability is when these 10 million people that have been sitting at home eating Cheetos on their couch run out of credit cards and stimulus money and excuses and unemployment and rent forbearance, and we all look around and say, guess what? You have sat around and it's called COVID-19 for a reason, okay? You gained 19 pounds. You got 19 new forms of bills. You got 19 new play toys in your house and garage between games and videos and couches and crap. And now you've given 19 different employers a reason why you've applied but won't take the job. Guess what the future is going to be? It's going to be COVID zero. Zero free money. Zero jobs are going to be offered because you won't get off your butt. There's going to be zero more credit cards you're going to be issued. going to be zero excuses for paying off your debt. And now you're going to be what they call a zero-sum employee. Because on your resume, it's going to be three or four years of not working. So companies like mine will look at you and say, you're not eligible to work here. Why? You're the kind of person that sits around and uses every excuse in the, in the book to live off the rest of society. I don't want to give you a job because you're exactly the first person the next time you get a chance to go right back and do it again. So when we look at an environment like this, what that means is those who are taking care of business today, selling stocks, putting their, their money into uh, assets, they're going to be correlated in the same direction as inflation, looking at what they have in the form of debt and trying to pay off that debt or stretching those loans. I was really smart about a year and a half ago, probably a beginning of 2021. I totally believed it was going to be hyperinflation long before anybody even spoke about it, just the way my brain works. So I had a, I had a second home that had a small amount of balance left on it. But I said, you know, I want to stretch that as long as I can. And I went out aggressively and I saw a, a second party or a second type of mortgage company. And I took a 30-year mortgage out and I'm sub 3.9% on that mortgage. Absolute home run. The house is doubled or tripled in value. I got a 30-year mortgage of like 3.9%. And it was one of the smarter things I've done because I could see what was coming down the pike with all the stimulus money. So everything from my personal life to my business was based on what I could feel happening over two years ago 
which was escalating energy prices, massive stimulus capital in the market, a, a big abuse of the M1, M2 money supply, dollar going well over 110, it went to 115, I was right on the money there. And that's gonna be coupled with not just inflation, but raging inflation. The only thing you can't factor is knuckleheads in the government who sit there and say, let's toy with the market. Let's artificially delay and stimulate markets by dumping 245 million barrels in the market. Instead of saying, let's take money and give tax credits and tax incentives so all these investors, the oil companies, don't get to 780 drilling rigs. Let's get them to put another 500 drilling rigs out and let's keep oil prices down at $55 a barrel and keep the economy going. No, they have a, a, ge a geopolitical and they have a, a eco crazy climate control mentality, which is we don't care what it does to the economy and consumers. We're going to do anything we can to destroy the U.S.'s strongest weapon, which is cheap energy. Well, good luck. Here she comes. There's always what they call what comes around goes around. What well, is going to come around hard? So as far as inflation goes, when you think of connectivity, and I'm going to wrap it up by saying this. You cannot delay because inflation is deteriorating your portfolio right now before your eyes. Put $100,000 in the bank January 1st, 2023. It'll be worth probably $90,000 by the year. You didn't do a thing. Nobody stole it, didn't disappear. You're like that person on the island. The erosion of your value, true erosion is gonna be over 10% uh, loss. Same thing you could have bought for $100,000 January 1st, 2023, January 1st, 2024, it's gonna cost you 110 to $115,000. You're gonna find out your cost of food, cost of gas, cost of clothes, supply chain, running anywhere from 12 to 13 to 15% higher. And I'm gonna end up with telling you what's gonna cause you the most pain of all. Coming behind all this is going to be escalating energy costs. You can tear it apart any way you want. You can talk about recession. You can talk about China lockdowns because of COVID. You can talk about Europe. You can talk about China. You can talk about the price controls are going to place on Russia. Fact is, price controls never work. In fact, the backside of price controls is an automatic escalation hockey stick in that commodity to much higher prices as a result of delayed supply-demand uh, solutions. So what I'm seeing is not the first or second quarter, probably not even the third quarter of 2023. What I'm saying is sometime in the next 18 to 24 months, you're going to see a hockey stick in domestic oil and gas prices like we haven't seen since the 1970s oil embargo. You go back and look at the chart in the 1970s and you saw the interest rates go up. You saw the pressure from the economists, pressure from the White House, forced them to stop putting up higher uh, Fed fund rates. They pull back. They drop back from 13 to 5. Within several months, maybe 9, 10, 12 months after that effect, interest rates floated up to 18 to 20%, even higher. And they stayed there for like four years. It did not start changing until Ronald Reagan took office in 1982. And then you started seeing things get better because why? Ronald Reagan is like I used to say to my dad, if I've done something wrong and I'm 03 hits with the belt, let's get it on. Let's hit those, let's get that belt out. Let's get some, get some tar off that butt cheek. And let's go ahead and make sure we stay in pace because, quite frankly, I'd rather get it over with now so I can start healing. That's what Ronald Reagan did. Ronald Reagan shut, shut everything down, killed the economy, got everybody on the same playing field. We all took our lumps in 1982 and 83. About 1984, 1985, the deck was cleared and we had a raging economy for the next 30 years. We did not have inflation again. What we've done now is we've boxed ourselves in the corner. We've got complete incompetency in the White House. We have nobody out there that wants to call a spade a spade. We have an entire generation, 40 years. That means every 55 to 60-year-old has never experienced inflation. It's 65 and older. Most people that are 45 and younger don't even really know how to spell inflation, much less the effects it's going to take. What I want to point out is 
because of that lack of experience and that lack of belief of what's coming around the corner, the delayed response by these investors in doing what I'm saying to them, which is refinance, cut your costs, get your expenses down. You need to be running like there's a category five hurricane coming on. The last six months of Fed fund rates have been no, no different than 300 miles out from the core of a hurricane, the, the, just the outer bands. We've only seen the outer bands. It's tighter, it's bigger, it's more ferocious, but maybe it takes it another nine to 12 months to get here. When it gets here, you're a day late and a dollar short about doing anything about it. Listen, this show is money and life. Talk with the Texan, Troy Eckert. You can always contact me in my office, 800-527-8895. You can always email T. Eckert at EckertEnterprises.com. I want you to know that my opinions are my own. I'm telling you what I think and what I see. You take it for what it's worth. But I am going to tell you, on my podcast on January 1st, 2025, I'm going to look back at this podcast and say, I tried to tell you. I tried to warn you. Do you sit down with your portfolio tonight and go, let's look at everything I have, cars, houses, investments, stocks, bonds, alternative assets, oil and gas, real estate, hard money loans. What do I own today that when that storm comes on shore, which is already here, and that storm intensifies as I get closer to the eye of the storm, and those inner bands become twice, three times, five times as strong. As I move along over the next 18 to 24 months, the question I've got to ask myself is, did I take heed? Did I protect my money? Because here's the fun part. Whoever does today the necessary things to prepare, you'll be the only one that's left with cash. You'll be one of the few that are left with liquidity. You'll be the ones that are left with the right size mortgages and loans because you're in the great position. You'll be the one that gets to come in after the storm and find gold bullion on the ground and foreclosed real estate and opportunities and buying assets at a third to 75% cheaper in two to three years than they are today. On the backside of raising inflation is a recession. And on the backside of a recession is massive, massive opportunity. Invest today in things that will ride the same direction as inflation. Ditch everything as fast as you can that's going to be negative to correlation of inflation over the next 24 to 48 months. And don't just wait. Do it today. Do it now. Corey Ecker, talk with the Texan. Thanks for joining me, folks. You guys have a successful week. Make sure everything you do is about fun, life, memories, and moments. Don't mess around. Do it because you care about yourself. You care about your health. You care about your family. And don't just say the boogeyman doesn't exist. He does exist. He just doesn't look like Charlie Brown. The boogeyman is laying out there to destroy your economic life and the life and the quality you have. And it's in the form of recession, inflation, deflation, bad governments, bad policy. That boogeyman is real, but it doesn't scare me because I've seen it. I got caught by it. I learned from it. And now I'm way ahead of it. You guys take care. Thanks again. Thanks to all our incredible friends for joining Troy for today's show, Talk with the Texan, Money and Life. Please join your host, Troy Eckert, for another edition of the program, every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Troy, engage him, challenge him, but most importantly, listen to him. Three decades of expertise at your disposal. We'll see you here next week.